Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Inviting your attention into the Psalms, the 100th Psalm, Psalms 100, praise God. We do have an obligation to tell the world about Jesus, amen, to share this wonderful truth that has been given to us, and sometimes if we're not careful over time, we can grow a little too accustomed and maybe uh, get to, to the place that we're taking it for granted. But I don't want to be that person. I want to always be thankful and appreciative and always looking for an opportunity to share it with somebody else. Praise God. Psalms chapter 100. And we'll begin with verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I want you to notice the next four words, and this is my title this morning. Enter into his gates. Enter into his gates. That's what I want to preach about today. Enter into his gates. Let's lift up our hands and voices once again to the presence of the Lord and let's just take a little time here and pray that the Lord would anoint and he'd have his way. The remainder of this service this morning, he would bless to each and every heart his word. I pray, God, that you would have your way in this place, your anointing, your spirit would move, your work would be done. I'm asking you to touch the hearts of people. I'm asking you to minister the needs of people that are in this room today. I pray, God, that you would help us and you would minister to us and work in our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Could the church say amen? Why don't you clap your hands again to him? And you can be seated. As you look into the word of the Lord and as you begin to study through the scripture, it becomes very evident that there's much to be said in the word of God about gates. And in fact, the cities of that time, we know that many of them were walled cities for their protection. And the gates of those cities became very important because of this. Also, we know that special places such as the temple was a walled area. There was different courtyards, and thus there was different gates that allowed entrance and exit from that special place. In fact, we read about many marvelous miracles and incredible occurrences taking a place in and around the gates of cities and the temple and special places in the Scripture. One of them that comes to mind as a personal favorite 
And that is in Acts chapter number 3. We read about Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And it was their custom to go there, not just one time a day, but several times a day at specific hours to pray and spend time in the presence of the Lord. And as they were approaching, the Bible describes what is called a beautiful gate. There was a man that was lying there at this beautiful gate that the Scripture denotes had been carried there since the time that he was born and was able to sit there by himself. He was carried to this gate to beg for alms. This was a condition that he had had all of his life. He was lame on his feet, the Bible says. And you know the story of how that these disciples came by, and Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. And he took him by the right hand and said, Rise up and walk. And he did so. And the Bible goes on to describe this very exciting passage and story by saying that he leaping up stood and began to praise God and entered in to the temple with them. This was something that he had never had the opportunity because of the law and what it stated about his condition that no lame man could go any further than where he was and that was at the gate but not entering into the courtyard of the temple. And so he praised the Lord with them as he entered in. And of course this great miracle led to many thousands of people receiving the marvelous gift of the Holy Ghost. And I think it's very special that the scripture says that this gate was called beautiful, indicative of God's view of gates and his fondness for gates. Psalms 87 and 2 says the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. One of the promises to Abraham and his seed was this, you will possess the gates of your enemy. There's a difference between a wall and a gate, as most of us are aware of. A wall keeps people out, but a gate gives people entrance to a place. And a gate swings open or shut. A gate swings in either direction. And the hinge on the gate is illustrative of divine choice. The gate means that someone can stay, they can enter in and stay, or they can go, they can leave. A gate isn't only an access, but it's also a means of retreat. It's a means of exit. Perhaps that is what God loves about gates. And that's why they are so emphasized in the Word of the Lord. Because God loves the fact that people choose Him. Amen. That we're here this morning, that we're gathered in this place because we desire to be here, because we want to be here. We realize in ourselves as free will agents of choice that we need to be here. We, we don't have to praise Him, but we choose to praise Him. We don't have to worship Him, but we choose to worship Him. We don't have to pray but we choose to pray. We don't have to enter into the presence of the Lord, but we desire to enter into the presence of the Lord. 
We don't have to be faithful, but we choose to be faithful. We don't have to live godly lifestyles, but we choose to live godly lifestyles. We don't have to give, and we don't have to tithe, but we choose to do these things. And can I state to you from the outset of this message this morning that the kingdom of God comes to us in a form of a choice. It's not imposed upon you. It's not forced upon you. Amen. Nobody is holding a gun to your head. But it's because you chose him and you choose to live for him. And we see this all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis. And even throughout the word of God it's reinforced. But all the way back to the garden in that creative time when the Lord created the heavens and the earth and placed a man in that garden, a perfect paradise where every one of his desires and his appetites and his needs could be satisfied and he could, he could as he desired and as he hungered for them, eat of the fruit of all of the trees of the garden with the exception of one. God said, I'm going to place a tree in this garden that is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is the only thing that I'm restricting you from. This is the only thing that I don't want you to partake of. Have you ever wondered why God did not place an electric fence around that tree? Why this, this tree was not barricaded and there wasn't razor wire around the walls that surrounded it, trying to forbid man from, from partaking of that tree if it was uh, not permitted for him to do so. If this was dangerous for him, why was it that man could take of that tree and eat it just like any other tree if he so choose? The reason was is that God wanted man to choose him and to choose to obey him and his command. He didn't want to enforce it upon him. He didn't want it to be like the angels of heaven that were almost robotic and that they had to. But uh, he wanted man to choose to do this because they wanted to obey him. And so we understand that everything in the kingdom of God comes to us in the form of a choice. You said you can choose blessings or you can choose cursing. You can choose to uh, walk the narrow road or you can choose the wide road. You can choose the wide gate or you can choose the straight gate. It's all your choice. Amen. It comes to you in the form of a choice. Living for God comes to you in the form of a choice. And the Bible says uh, that as we choose to live for him and choose to be obedient to him, we are going to receive the blessings that come along with that. If you want a fruitful life, you can choose to have one. If you want a productive life, you can choose to have one. If you want a joyful life, you can choose to have one. If you want a life that is protected from the guilt and the shame that is associated with sin, you can choose to live one. 
Amen. If you don't want to live under condemnation and fear and dread of being lost and separated from God throughout eternity, you can choose to live for the Lord. You can choose to serve God. It's just like Joshua, the leader of Israel, said in 24 and 15 of the book of Joshua. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, you can go back and serve the gods that are on the other side or you can serve the living God. It's your choice. But let it be known that as for me and my house, we've already made the choice. We've already made the decision. We will serve the Lord. Oh, there's a lot that can be unpacked from that one statement. There's a lot that goes into that. That's more than just words. That's more than just uh, a bunch of of statements. But there's a lot that goes into those words. Those are powerful words because this represents a choice that he made before he ever uttered those words, before he ever spoke those things. He had already decided in his heart this is my choice this is my decision this is the direction that I'm going I've got my mind made up I don't care if anybody else follows me I don't care if anybody else goes with me I don't care if anybody else is persuaded by it I'm still not going to turn back I'm going to serve the Lord and if you're going to live for God and if you're going to make a go of it in the kingdom of God you're going to have to have that same mindset you're going to have to come with that same attitude. I made up my mind. Come hell or high water I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Praise God. And every day every day we make choices. It's been said that we are afforded the opportunity to make choices and we are made by our choices. The person that has a record, criminal record, has made choices that has led to that reputation. The person that is known to have character has made choices that has led to that conclusion that this is a man that can be depended on. He's a man of honesty. He's a man that is trustworthy. He's a man that you know is faithful. And it's choices. Not always is those choices easy. Somebody said, well, you know, it's just, it's just easy for some to live for God. Uh, and, you know, they've been living for God so long that they're just pre-programmed, you know. It's not hard for them. After you cross a certain threshold is what they're implying, that it just becomes easy uh, to live for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, the devil that we're fighting, folks, he doesn't give up. It doesn't matter if you're 5 or 55. It doesn't matter if you're 55 or 95. He's still there. He's still looking for an opportunity. And how much the more, if he could get somebody that has lived for God faithfully and served the Lord honorably for many years to trip up at the end of the race, so close to, to the end and the finish line, if he could trip them up or hinder them in some way and cause them to be lost, what a trophy. But you got to wake up every morning when your feet hit the ground. you got to make up your mind today is the day that I'm going to live for God. 
I'm going to serve the Lord today. I'm going to be faithful to God today. I'm going to make the right choices today. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be contradictions. There's going to be things that are going to oppose me in my relationship with God. But I've made up my mind. I'm not going to sell out. I'm not going to quit or give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to continue to be faithful to God through till the end. Amen. Has anybody got your mind made up here this morning? I said, does anybody have their mind made up this morning? There may be temptations. uh, There may be curves thrown at you. There may be some unexpected things that happen along the way. I wish that we could predict everything and prepare for everything. But the wise man, uh, the Bible says that when he builds, he builds for the event of a storm. He he builds uh, with the knowledge that there may be a storm that comes through here. Amen. And some people give up when the storm comes thinking that the storm's going to stay forever. Can I tell you that that's simply not the truth, but that's a lie that the devil tries to plant in your mind, that if you'll stand strong and stay tough and be faithful to God, you can make it through. The Spirit of the Lord will sustain you to make it through. Come on, do you really believe that? Are you just giving mental assent to it here this morning? Do you really believe that God can help you to make it through anything? Come on, I'm looking at folks in this place. I've watched you. I've observed you. You've lived for God through tough situations, tough situations and circumstances that came against you, and you just kept on plowing. You kept on living for God, but now you look back, and you've received a blessing, and you look back, and you have a testimony, and you look back, and you can see what God has done for you. Let me tell you something. If you'll just hang tough through the storm, you'll see something on the other side of it that perhaps you didn't see in the midst of it. It's hard to see some things uh, when it's gloomy and it's cloudy and the darkness uh, of the thunderheads are surrounding you and the waves are tossing you and the wind is blowing contrary to you. But if you'll just stay strong, if you'll just continue to be faithful, God is going to show himself. He's going to reveal that he's in control. That's right. Amen. Uh, during Hurricane Katrina, uh, this, this particular season uh, of time, I guess you could say there was three or four years there. Many of you remember that it seemed like the coastal areas were just bombarded by hurricanes. And Katrina, of course, being one of the, uh, the ones that was most noted and the most lives being taken by it and the flooding that took place in New Orleans and what a devastating thing it was. But uh, during this time, insurance companies, because it had happened so frequently, they thought, well, uh, you know, we're, we're studying all the algorithms of it and, and it just seems like that these are bombarding this area right now and we need to withdraw one more huge weather event and we're going to go under. And so they, they refused to provide some of the companies refused to provide insurance in those areas and kind of pulled back. And uh, Warren Buffett uh, noted for stepping in in situations and taking risk and doing uh, different investment strategies in critical times. He, he, he knew 
and had knowledge of one thing. He said, historically, it's already been proven. These storms may, it seems, have come here incessantly over the last little while, but they can't keep doing this. It, it, it can't keep happening like this. And, and so he, he provided investment opportunities for folks down in that area and provided insurance uh, companies for people to be able to buy insurance down in that area. And he made money. He made uh, like he needed to make more money, but he made some more money. And uh, why? Because uh, he based everything on this fact that you, you, can, you can go ahead and just rest assured that the storms are not going to continue and the winds are not going to continue, but at some point it's got to cease. Uh, some point uh, it, it's, got, it's got to go away. Things have got to get better. And sometimes uh, you need to understand what he understood, and that is uh, that this is not a time for me to back off. This is not a time for me to cave in. This is not a time for me to give up. This is a time for me to set my face like a flint as the prophet said and make up my mind I'm going to keep on plowing through and I'm going to see the blessings of God and the more that the devil fights me must be an indication that there's greater blessing there's greater revival there's greater outpouring there's greater things that God wants to do for me in my life that ought to make somebody shouting happy this morning devil you've been on my back you've been fighting me you've been resisting me but I think I'll just get up and shout a little bit this morning because I know that when this is over with, I'm going to get a bigger blessing than what I've ever received in my life. God loves the, flat, the fact that we are here this morning worshiping him not by decree but out of free will. You could have stayed home. You could have slept in. I don't want to encourage you too much. You could have been out to eat. But you're here in the house of the Lord. Not because you're obligated, but because of choice. And that doesn't mean that you don't have trials and you don't have struggles and you don't have troubles and you don't have contradictions, but yet you still come and you praise the Lord and you still worship the Lord and you still magnify the Lord. I think we ought to just take just a moment right now and do that a little bit. Somebody just praise him. Somebody just glorify him. Come on, all across this building. We could just take just a moment and give some praise to the Lord. That'd be okay, wouldn't it? We ought, to, we ought to have it so near and dear to us. The opportunity to praise the Lord would just be a, a, a welcome thing that we want to praise God. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Go ahead and praise him a little bit. Go ahead and worship him a little bit. Devil, I want you to know I'm doing that because I choose to do it. Numbers 35 tells us a very unique thing that applies to what we're talking about here this morning. The Lord instructed them to, buy, to build five cities different strategic locations throughout the land. These cities that were to be placed at these strategic locations were to have good roads to them that were cleared. And these would be called cities of refuge. What that meant was if there was accidental death, 
an involuntary manslaughter. A person in the victim's family could avenge the blood of that person whose life was taken by taking the life of the person that had accidentally killed them. And so that person that was the offender could go to one of these cities. Again, they were spread out strategically throughout the land and they were easy to find and easy to access and there was uh, postings throughout, markings throughout the roads to tell them exactly so that in their haste, many times being chased by their avenger, they could find those cities and access them very quickly. And that was crucial. And as long as they lived within the confines and the walls of that city, within the gate of that city, they were safe. There was no way that uh, the avenger could ever uh, touch them, harm them, exact any vengeance against them. But if they was ever to feel like the city was too confining and they was to go outside of the city, there was no longer any protection for them. The Bible tells us a story about a man by the name of Abner who was the former captain of the host of Saul's army and then went and pledged his allegiance when he realized that David was ascending to the throne. He pledged his allegiance to David. And Joab, always very resentful of this man, and no doubt they had a long grudge because of their battles against one another. And Abner had accidentally killed a man that was the brother of Joab. And so Abner runs to the city of refuge. He goes to Hebron, and he finds lodging there and safety there. And he is secure there. Joab finds out later where that city is that Abner has went to. And, and he goes and stands in the gate. Now this is very unique to me. And the Bible says that somehow or another he allures him to come out to the gate to speak to him. There was a line there somewhere where uh, legal protection was no longer something that would cover Abner and it was somewhere in that gate and he as long as he stayed on this side entrance into the city in, inside the city then there was no there was no possible way that Joab could take his life but the Bible said he spoke quietly or softly to him very very subdued way of doing it and he uh, no doubt began to speak to him things and tried to allure him outside and and uh, evidently according to the scripture it worked and and uh, Joab being a very charming individual uh, was able to charm him outside of the city gate and when he did he put his arm around him and with his other hand reached in and got a dagger and placed it in his fifth rib and the Bible said so he died so close to the city of refuge so near to the city of refuge and what a tragedy it was and it was David David that made this remark because he knew he knew that that Abner was a very powerful military man at one time captain of the host of Saul's army a man that was a military leader and he said Abner died as a fool dieth because his hands were not bound and his feet were not fettered in other words, he was not in captivity, 
when he died. He was a free man. This was a man that knew military might. This was a man that was a fighting man himself. This, this is a man that was a trained warrior. And he knew that he was speaking to a trained warrior. And so he died as a fool died. How foolish it was for Abner, knowing what he knew and having the experiences that he had, for him to die such a tragic death is a foolish thing. Man that had so many battles that he had won and accomplishments, and no doubt there was a den or a special room in Abner's home where he had all of his military medals and trophies and accomplishments and certificates hanging on the wall of all of the accomplishments that he had. And it's foolish that a man would die so close to refuge, his hands not bound, his feet not fettered. Some of you may have read the book. I had opportunity to read it. Uh, a young man from Texas by the name of Chris Kyle. Anybody know who I'm talking about? American Sniper is what they called him. There was nobody in, I think he was in the Navy SEALs. Nobody in Special Forces as a sniper had ever, ever uh, had as many confirmed kills. I've also read about uh, Carlos Hathcock, who was a Marine sniper that had 90-something confirmed kills. And they say that Chris Kyle... Uh, far exceeded that and it's not even documented how many confirmed kills because of all the procedures of documenting those things. But Chris Kyle, uh, the Marine sniper, the man that uh, had been overseas multiple times in the Middle East and faced very formidable enemies and been in dangerous territories, lived there for days on end with uh, enemy all around him, knew what it was to be in those kind of atmospheres and in environments that are very dangerous. This man that had a reputation around the world and even had a large sum of money put up on his head by our foes in the Middle East. This man comes home and is helping one of his comrades and he takes him out to a shooting range and that man turns a rifle on him and kills him. A man that had been in battle, a man that was a uh, Fearless when it come to battle. And a man that had a reputation of being feared. Yet the Bible or, or this story tells us that, that he in this particular situation was, was turned upon by what was supposed to be a friend and killed. What an unusual thing. Hands not bound, feet not fettered, went to Afghanistan, went to Iraq, and, and comes back a celebrated hero, yet goes out into a Texas gun range, and his life is taken. What a tragedy. What a bad situation. And the Bible said that Joab spoke softly to him. And lured him out. You got to be careful uh, about what voices that you're listening to. There's always going to be a voice outside the church that's saying, "Come on now, why are you so committed to those values? Why, why do you, why do you stand strong to those convictions? Why do you love the Lord that much? Why? It really doesn't matter. This is really not all that important. Come on out here. Come on now. I know it's Sunday, but, but uh, this is what we do on Sunday. And you, it ain't gonna hurt you to miss one Sunday. Come on, go with us today. Oh, you don't have to. You don't. Have to be such a fanatic. You don't have to worship God every week. and You don't have to be so committed to God. You better be careful to those soft subtle voices of the enemy that comes in and tries to speak to you. It tries to convince you 
that it's not important to stay within the house of God. And it's not important to stay within the, the confines of commitment and consecration to God that tries to convince you that it's unimportant how much and how dedicated you are to God. I'm going to tell you there's safety in living for the Lord. I said there's security in living for the Lord. This is a safe place. The Bible says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. Shall abide in the shadows of the Almighty. Amen. When we get in this place, we're in his presence. And there's protection in the presence of the Lord. Somebody ought to clap your hands and worship the Lord. Can I tell you that the devil, he's trying his very level best to convince people and to allure people outside of the confines of safety, even as I speak this morning. Most of you probably read or heard something about Cecil the lion. And maybe you have different views and opinions. I'm not getting into all of that. But a dentist up in Minnesota goes to Zimbabwe and he goes on a lion hunt, and there's a refuge of lions, and one of those lions is under a certain type of surveillance. It has a collar on it, and it's in a refuge area. And these guides take a, a dead animal, a deer or something, and drag it through that refuge area where that animal is safe, and that's a no-hunting zone, and there's no way that it can be Harmed as long as it stays within the confines of that particular refuge. But they take and hook it onto the bumper of a Jeep or something and pull that deer through that refuge and then outside and across the line into a legal hunting area. And lured Cecil outside the confines of that reservation that he was on. And of course this man uh, was able to take thinking, I guess, that it was legal, or at least that's what he allegedly says, that he thinks that he was fooled by the guides and he was depending on them. That's not really my argument this morning. But I'm just telling you there's certain things that will lead you out if you're not careful and lure you outside of a safe place, a refuge. Hallelujah. The presence of God. And you have to be careful. I said you have to be careful. And what the interesting thing was, you might say, well, if I go outside and if I and I do what I want to do, and it's not going to affect anybody else. It won't really affect my family. really won't affect any of my friends or the fellowship circle that I have. But they tell me that when Cecil, days after he died, they had another lion that they had named Jericho that was his brother. And they found that he would voluntarily leave the reservation and go looking around the perimeter for his brother and trying to find out where he was. You see, when you, when you are affected spiritually, when you, when you go astray, when you get into things outside of the safety of the ark of God, you may think it doesn't affect anybody else. But you could be leading a brother or sister outside the church also. That's why it's so important that you stay on fire for God. That's why it's so important that you realize that somebody might be watching me. Somebody may be looking to me. And I, with my influence, have to be very careful. Yeah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you again, there's safety in here. I said there's safety in here. We must realize uh, there's a whole lot of things uh, that cannot get to us as long as we stay in the presence of Almighty God. As long as I stay on this side of the gate, I don't have anything to worry about. The Bible talking about gates and representing choices as they are. It talks about the gates of hell. Did you realize that hell has gates also? But the Bible did say this. It said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Oh, that's a comfort to know that, that the presence of God and the power of God is stronger than the gates of hell. Stronger than the devil's dominion. He might try to keep people bound. He might try to keep people captive. But he, has, he doesn't have the power to do so as long as we stay in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Also, it talks about the gates of heaven, having that city having 12 gates. And uh, those gates made of one pearl. And you, you know, you've read about that. The gates of heaven. Representing again to us that, that choice that if a person goes to heaven, it, it's not accidental. It's not by coincidence. It's not because you, you just happenstance upon it. But if you go to heaven, it's because you made a choice and a decision and you declare it made a choice that I want to be saved. Does anybody want to be saved? Does anybody want to go to heaven here? Is anybody made up your mind? Nothing's going to keep me from going. Nothing's going to hinder me from going. Nothing's going to stop me from going. I want to be saved. Revelation chapter number 3, and I'm hurrying, talks about, and this is the Lord speaking. He said, I've set before you, talking to one of the churches of, of Asia, he said, I've set an open door before you that no man can shut. Nobody can keep you out. But you know, we don't talk about how that that door, as far as, as we're reading in that particular passage, it never shuts. That means it can't keep you in either. It doesn't keep you out. But it's your choice. And it's your decision. And that's really the danger of an open door is the fact that upon your own free will you can choose to exit too. You can choose to go back out of the world too. Is there anybody that's made up your mind? I'm not going back. I, I, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like Ruth. Uh, I've made up my mind. Uh, wherever you go, Naomi, that's where I'm going. And whatever God you serve, uh, that's whom I'm going to serve. And your people will be my people. Your God, my God. I'm not going back. Thirty-one times the Bible talks about being in Christ. In Christ. Talks about those that are in Christ. Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's a safe place to be is in Christ. We're baptized into Christ. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that you, you got his name upon you? In Jesus' name, baptism. 
were born into Christ. The, the scripture talks about it over and over again in Christ, in Christ. And we could elaborate on that, but just know that it's in his spirit, in his presence, in his glory that we need to bask. That's where we need to stay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 100, most of us know this as a praise chapter, and it really is. Make a joyful noise. You know, sometimes you've got to, you've got to do that. It, it, that, that comes back down to that choice that you've got to make it happen. It's not there naturally sometimes. It's not there spon- spontaneously sometimes. You've got to make. You've got to force into it. You've got to create. You've got to make a joyful noise under the Lord. And uh, that's, that's making it happen. That's making a choice to praise the Lord. But then it gets on down and said, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Enter. And so we understand that anywhere there's a gate, it's representative of a choice. And somebody says, well... If you knew what I was going through, you know why I choose just to sit here. If you knew what I was going through and the feelings that I have and the problems that I've encountered and things I'm up against and the balance of my checkbook and the atmosphere on my job and the war zone that's in my family and the situation I got going on with my kids or the problems that I have with my health, then you would understand. But when you stand at that gate, you got a choice to make. Am I going to enter into his presence? Or am I going to sit here and just sulk and, and, and elaborate on my problems and, 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 and talk about how bad it is? I got a choice to make. I got a decision to make. I, I, right there at that place, I'm at a pivotal point. It can go either way. But I got to choose to praise the Lord. I got to choose to magnify the Lord. Good times, bad times. Good reports, bad reports. In the face of opposition and with no resistance at all, I'm still going praise the Lord and when I praise the Lord I have the opportunity to enter in I can't get there any other way but I gotta praise him I gotta worship him I've got to magnify him I got to thank him is anybody thankful here today if you got breath in your body you got reason enough to praise God if you got a heart that is beating you got reason enough to praise the Lord certainly if you got the Holy Ghost today you got all the reason you need to to lift your hands and your voice to God. If you've been forgiven and set free in the blood of Calvary that's been applied to your life, you got all the reasons that you need to praise him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. It's a choice that I make. It's a decision that I make. I got to choose to do it. Amen. It's not if everything's going just perfect and and it gets just right. And and I mean the right thing happens and this or that takes place going my way or this, this happens to be conducive to it. No. I'm going to praise him. Because I know that I've got to enter in 
to the presence of the Lord to receive what I need from God. Hallelujah. I suppose one of the most tragic stories that Jesus told was the story about the prodigal, and it wasn't about the prodigal himself losing everything and and the story that involved him. But it was about that elder son. The Bible said when he heard the celebration that was going on, he heard the joy and the laughter and happiness that was emanating from that house where his brother was and the party that was taking place. The scripture says that he refused to come in. He refused to go into the house. He refused to enjoy the party. Oh, no. You can't have that, that kind of attitude. You can't have that kind of spirit. Well, it's not going my way, so I'm just not going to. I'm not going to join in. I don't like what's happening. I, I, I'm not going to join in. Somebody else is getting more attention than me. I, I'm not, God's blessing somebody else and not blessing me. I'm not going to join in. Come on now. If you get in his presence, you can enjoy the blessing too. You can get what it. You can get the benefits of being in the presence of the Lord also. But as long as you stand out there, and as long as you make the choice to not enter in to the presence, as long as you say, "I'm not going to join in the worship and I'm not going to join in the praise," there's no benefit. There's no blessing that comes for that. Amen. But those that make up their mind, good times, bad times, going to praise the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah! I will bless the Lord at all all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth consider the man that said that his praise shall continually be in my mouth he had to live that he had to bury children and remember those words he had to overcome mistakes in his life and live those words he had to deal with opposition and War and resistance against him. And live those words. I will bless the Lord at all times. David, can you bless him when it didn't go in your way? Well, I said it. I got to live it. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. This is not just if it's going my way commitment. This is not just when it's all the wind in my back commitment. This is not just when I'm blessed commitment. This is an all the time commitment that I'm going to serve him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to live for him. Come on, is there somebody that feels that here this morning? Is there somebody that can join with me in praising the Lord right now? Is there somebody that lifts your voice to him right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the hinges on these gates swing either way. Is there somebody that wants to enter in? Is there somebody that wants to make the choice today? I I invite you, I, I give you an invitation through the Word of God to come. 
into the presence of the Lord. My Bible said everything we need is in the presence of the Lord. So that's all we need to know this morning is to come into his presence. There's power in his presence. There's healing in his presence. There's deliverance in his presence. There's salvation in his presence. There's renewal in his presence. There's joy replenishment in the presence of the Lord. Amen. There's fulfillment in the presence of the Lord. There's completeness in the presence of the Lord. There's renewed commitment in the presence of the Lord. There's a renewed desire in the presence of the Lord. Come into the presence of God. Enter in here this morning. Everything that you have need of. Come on, let's gather. Let's gather. Hallelujah. Let's find us a place in the presence of God. Somebody enter into his gates. Hallelujah. Find something to be thankful for and come on in. Find something to praise him for and come on in. Find something to lift up your voice and show appreciation for and come on in because when you enter in, you got to enter in with praise and thanksgiving.